Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Listen, as a church, we are we are expanding, and so we're, we're moving this way, and we're going to be in there in just a few weeks. It's going to be really amazing, <clears throat> but but that's not what's so amazing. What, what, what is incredible is that our, our, our mission as a church is not to gather a crowd. It's not to be a big church. It's to be a church that leaves a real impact in our valley. We, we want to make a difference. We want lives, lives to be changed. We want marriages to be mended. We want to be the kind of community that is really changing the community around us. Like that's our, our real hope is, is that we could leave a positive impact in this valley. Because guess what? At the, at the, at the end of it all, like all, all the buildings go away, all the fancy stuff goes away. But what we do in the lives of men and women around us, that's what stays. And so as a church, as we're we're moving to, to make a difference in our valley. We believe that one of the core pieces of that is to raise up leaders that can move forward with what God is doing in our valley. We, we, we believe in supporting people who have the call of God in their life and, and, and helping that go forward. And so uh, today, you get to be a part of something very special that we do a couple of times a year, and that is we, we're doing a communicator's weekend. <clears throat> That means what we've done is we've identified some young uh, leaders in our church who have the, the call of God on their life, and they're already leading in different capacities in our church, and uh, we want to give them an opportunity to grow in, in, uh, in just in preaching and, and getting up here and, and doing it. So is that all right with you? Some of you are like, I don't know. It's going to be amazing. I promise. It's going to be amazing. <clears throat> Okay, so I'm going to introduce our two speakers, and, and then I'm going to give you some instructions. okay? So here we go. Uh, the, the two speakers, first speaker, I believe first speaker is uh, uh, Clark Burton. And so Clark Burton, uh, you guys know him. You love him. Clark is, uh, he's been on the team here at Celebration Church pr- probably the longest uh, out of everybody on our team currently, I I, I don't know. I, you've been on the team for seven years. Um, seven, I, well, he's been. On, I mean, I mean, on staff, he's been on, in church for about seven years. He he does a great job. So Clark oversees. Uh, he's one of our executive directors. He oversees uh, all all of worship. Everything that happens on a Sunday falls under Clark. He he does an incredible job. In fact, a lot of the planning, anything that that looks really like well polished and well done around here, that's got Clark's fingerprints all over it. Um, not only is he an, an anointed worship leader, but he's also a, a, an anointed communicator and, and, and uh, discipler. And so I'm thankful that he's going to be able to speak in a few minutes. And the second one is Kirsten Boone. 
Kirsten is on our worship team. She's often up here singing on, on a Sunday, but during the week, she's often pouring into the teenagers, uh, especially the junior high girls, just pouring into them, loving on them, showing them the goodness of God. And so I'm thankful for people that pour into the kids during the week. It makes a difference as a parent. Thank you. And, um, and so I'm excited. They're both going to come one after another, but here's my, here's my instructions. So today... It is a, uh, it's a developmental day. It's a, we're going to encourage them as they, because guess what? Public speaking, there's been studies done that say public speaking has a higher level of fear than death. Did you know that? It is, a, it is a higher fear than death for most people. And so it's a huge hurdle for someone to step into a, a space like this and begin communicating. And so what I want you to do is, under, like, we're going to get behind them. We're going to support them. We believe in the next generation of leaders. And so we're going to encourage them. When they tell a joke, you're going to laugh. When they say a good point, you're going to amen them. You're going to get behind them. Can, I, can I get an amen? Can we practice? Okay. Can I, can I get a, uh, he's in the word. Can I get that? Okay, give me, give me, give me. She ain't lying. Let's hear it. There, there we go. Okay, so that's that's what I'm looking for. Like while they're preaching, give them a little, a little talk back, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's really get behind him and support him. Let's start with Clark Burton. Well, fantastic. The first rule of speaking I learned from Pastor Roger is check your zipper before you come up. So I've checked it. We're good. Don't look. Uh, for those of you who I don't know, it's so nice to see you. Um, right now, the, the lights are bright, so I just see, you know, silhouettes. But no, my name is Clark, and a little bit about myself. I just got married within the last year, and I believe we have a picture of my wife, uh, my wonderful wife, Abby. Um, they might throw that picture up there, but my favorite thing is I'm learning so much. Oh, there she is. There we are. Oh, I'm wearing the same shirt. I didn't plan that. I didn't. I didn't plan that. I'm learning so much. Like, I, I didn't realize how much you'd really learn when you get married. I'm learning about myself. I'm learning about her. And I'm learning that 90% of the time, if she's upset or angry, it's because she's hungry. And they've made up a word for that. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called hangry. Anybody hear of that? Hangry. It's the, the combination of hungry and angry. And so I'm learning that. And is there anyone in the room who's, who's dealt with hangry people? Maybe, maybe it's your significant other. Maybe it's your kids, and you just know you need a snack or a nap. You know, it's probably one of the two, snack or a nap. Well, Jesus has this moment in John chapter 6 where, where he is also dealing with hangry people. Uh, Jesus has just performed this incredible miracle. There is five loaves that him and his disciples have and two fish, but there's 5,000 people just counting the men. So, so more than 5,000 people are gathered and they're hungry and he multiplies these, these, this bread and the fish and he feeds these, these hangry people. But later in John chapter six, they come up to him and he identifies that the reason they're coming up to him is no, not that he performed a miracle, but because they're hungry again. They're hungry again. They want more food. And Jesus, Jesus shifts gears. He always does this. He, he's more concerned with the inside than the outside. So yes, he acknowledges that they're hungry, but what he says is, I've got true bread from heaven. And they're not get, getting it because they're like, okay, 
this sounds great. Feed us this. We're hungry. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Here's where we pick up in, in verse 35. He says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And right away, in just one moment, Jesus pinpoints that there's something deeper going on inside of our souls, that there's a hunger and there's a thirst. And it's not a hunger and thirst for bread or drink, though our bodies do have that need. There's something deeper. There's something deeper. He says, you shall not hunger and you shall not thirst. And he's pointing out that that deeper need that you have, that we all have, that he can fill it. He can satisfy it, just like bread satisfies hunger. This is not a need of the body, but a need of the soul. And what he's doing is he's pointing out that appetite acknowledges absence. Appetite acknowledges absence. When your body gets hungry, your stomach starts rumbling, and there's this appetite what that's doing is that's telling you there's a lack of something. There's an absence of something in the body. When you're thirsty, when, when, you have, when you're parched and, and you're thirsty, that's your body telling you. It's acknowledging that there's an absence of something. And it creates this appetite. It creates this appetite. And there's something in us, somewhere in our souls, that also has this hunger and this appetite for something and we only have that appetite because there's a, a lack. There's a lack. And recently I've had to ask myself, what is filling me? What's filling me right now? Because I've been a Christian all my life, most of my life, actually. And, and I have a great walk. I, I love where I am with the Lord. But, but even though I feel good about my relationship with God, things can still sneak in. Things can sneak in and and pretty soon I realize, oh, I'm not fully filling myself up on Jesus, but there's other things that have snuck in. One thing the Lord's pointed out to me is how much I, I can tend to go toward entertainment, to escape toward entertainment. Something from a screen that, that I, I reach for, that's the first thing I reach for at the end of a long day or Maybe there's a difficult circumstance, and, and I just go to the entertainment. I, I go to the screen. Did you know that the average American spends set more than seven hours on a screen daily? I mean, most of us, were up around maybe 16 hours, and for some of you, like, I don't know how you do it. You get up at four, and I, but still, we're all getting around 16 hours, and if you work from home on a computer, it's probably much higher for you. That's a lot of time. And he's been addressing in me what I reach for to fill that void. Because I'm trying to fill a void that only God can fill. That only God can fill. Because here's the thing, we will fill our lives with something. We will fill our lives with something. So here's my question for us today. What is filling us what is filling us? Because it's the hunger that gets us into trouble. It's the hunger that gets us into trouble because we are faithful fillers. 
We are faithful fillers. When you get hungry, you go to the fridge and you eat. You call up, you know, the, what is it? It's Pizza Hut. You call up wherever you need. You, you call out to your wife, I'm hungry. Or if you're single, you grab the microwave oven. Easy food. When we get hungry, we eat. And when we get hungry, we get angry or hangry. <laughs> when we, we have a response if the need isn't met. And the problem is when we get too hungry, we get desperate. When we get too hungry, we get desperate. I don't know if you've ever gone to the store when you're hungry, but it's not a good idea. You start putting stuff in the cart because you're driven by that hunger. And like Snickers said, you're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. We'll do whatever it takes to satisfy our hunger. We will seek to fill that void. And if we only eat the dessert and candy of this world, just, just like our body, if we eat too much sugar, we each drink too much soda, we, we fill ourselves on the junk food, we're, we're gonna, our body's gonna tell us. Something's not gonna feel right. If you have a kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you're like, I told you so. I told you you needed some vegetables. But we will fill ourselves on, on the junk food of this world. And there's something deeper that starts telling us, I don't feel right. I'm aching. What's going on? We're faithful fillers. Jesus said to them in verse 35, I am the bread of life. The stuff you're looking for, that hunger you have, I'm what you're looking for. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We're satisfied in Jesus alone. God is the only one who can fill that void you're looking for. He's the only one who can satisfy you. He's the only one that can fill that void in your life. What he's saying is that every need you have, I can satisfy. The fullness of life itself is in Jesus. Just at Jesus entering your life, just like you would take food, you take bread and you, it enters the body. Your body starts delivering it to different the nutrients, different parts of your muscles and, and your different parts of your body. And that's how you start to function and live. And, and just in the same way, Jesus, when he enters your life, he fills the void and, and he starts to distribute purpose in your life that you can live out. And like a psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste it. You know, food is a four out of five sensory experience. And if you're near the kitchen, then it's five out of five. You can smell the food as it's getting prepared. If you're close enough to the kitchen, you can hear maybe the sizzling as things are frying. You can, you can touch it. You taste it. You see it. And Jesus is saying all those needs are satisfied in me. The Lord offers life where there is lack. The Lord offers life where there is lack. That, that exact area where you feel absence, avoid. The Lord is the one, the only one who can truly fill that void. 
He's the only one. And John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And this is Jesus talking. I have come that they may have life, that you may have life and have it to the full. So let let me ask you, what is filling you today? What is filling you? Where do you go to quench that thirst? What do you reach for when you feel that hunger? Because we'll try to fill it with something. And you may not struggle where I struggled, where, where God pointed out that screen time has, has been out of proportion. I mean, some of you have told me that you think phones are the devil. So I, I don't even know if you, you have a smartphone. But maybe it's, it's the workaholic tendencies. Maybe it's that substance that you just can't get out of your life. Maybe it's friends in your life, relationships in your life that you go to for comfort. And I think there's obvious ones we can reach for and say, okay, that's, that's bad. Like if I said, um, you know, alcoholism or pornography or drugs, everybody in the room would be like, yes, that, that's obvious. And maybe that's where you're at today. There's, there's that obvious thing in your life that you reach for. Let's deal with it. But some of us have some sneaky things that, that come in. Sneaky things that are good things. Good things like, I think technology is neutral. It can be used for good or bad. One person I recently heard, it, heard them say it's like lucky charms. The proportions need to be correct. You can't have too much bran and, and just little marshmallow or all marshmallow and no bran you got to have them in correct proportions. And when it comes to filling things in our lives, there's a lot of gifts that God has given us, but out of proportion, they can become an idol. So it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It could be a really great thing. But if it becomes the priority in your life, if it's out of proportion to God filling your life, we'll shift that. Let me, let me ask you a couple questions. Maybe you already have something in mind, but maybe you're trying to think. Look at your time. Where do your thoughts go consistently? What are you thinking about? What, what consumes your thinking and, and time in your mind? What do you spend time doing? If you were to calculate the hours, you know, the, the phone app, uh, the iPhone tells you how much hours you're spending on a screen. Maybe it's that. Where does your money go? That's another question to ask. Where do you put your resources? You can often check your bank account and see what you value simply by where your money goes. Maybe it's a hobby. And hobbies are great. We should all have hobbies. But is it becoming out of proportion with how God's filling you? Because make no mistake, you are what you eat the most. You are what you eat the most. And that is why I don't eat rump roast. It's not. (laughs) It's bad. It's bad. You are what you eat. And what you consume consumes you. It's the classic garbage in, garbage out. What we fill ourselves up with will manifest and we will reflect what we fill up ourselves with.
What's filling you? Because you are what you eat the most. Maybe it's social media and you're obsessed with your appearance and you're concerned about how you and your family look and, and you want to look the part and you're thinking about what they think about you. Maybe that's what's, what you're eating and consuming. Maybe it's that work that work project, you're, you're always staying late and you're trying to provide for your family, but there's maybe something inside of you that says, I need, to, I need to do more. I need to work harder. I need to achieve. Maybe there's something you're going to, to to try to escape. So the first thing we have to do is we identify what, what that is. I believe God's already speaking to some people right now. He's identified things in your life. And they're not necessarily bad things for some of you. It's just out of proportion. So we identify those things. And it's a pretty simple adjustment. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And with me, you'll never hunger. You'll, you'll never thirst. And it's as easy as identifying what that is and replacing it with Jesus. But, but I, think, I think God wants to, to take it a step further. I don't think he just wants to fix the outside. I don't think he just wants to adjust what you're doing. He, he does want to do it, but I think he wants to take it a step further. Let me ask you, why do you think you're filling your life with that thing? Why do you try to fill yourself up with that thing? I know for me, while I was preparing for this message, God just brought to remembrance a memory I, I had forgotten when I was in second grade. He, he, he brought me back to this place where I was helping my parents prepare food and I was opening a can. And as I was opening it and trying to get, get the food out, I had accidentally cut myself. And immediately I grabbed my thumb and I, I just walked away. I just went to my room. I, I, I just hid it. And it's no reflection on my parents, but, but there was something in me, God was pointing out, that when things go wrong, when I get hurt, I try to fix it myself. I think I have to hide it. I think there's something inside of me that thinks I, I need to deal with it myself before I go to God. He brought me back to that place. And I'm not just going to entertainment to... To, to enjoy it, but there's a part of me that when I've had a hard day or it's been a long week, I'll in my own strength try to solve that very area where I'm hurt or upset or just disappointed instead of going to God. And that's the very area God wanted to adjust in me. He wasn't telling me that I need to cut out every single screen. It wasn't that, but he was just saying, go to me to be filled up. When you've, when you felt disappointed, when you felt hurt, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. That's what Jesus says. And so what is that thing that's, that's causing you, pushing you to seek comfort in something else? Seek that affirmation from somewhere else. Did someone hurt you? Did someone say something bad? Was it, is it something way back in your childhood? Now today, I don't have enough time to, to go deep in this, but I wanna encourage you, don't just address the action. 
But is there something deeper that drives you to fill yourself up with something other than God? I just want to pray for you. Lord, like the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God, everything we're longing for deep inside, everything our, our heart desires and feels like it's missing, it's found in you, God. Help us today to, to not reach for other things, but reach for you and put us in correct proportion with the world. God, may, may there be um, a, a great enlightenment, enlightenment in someone's world today that they're not just addressing the outside issue, but they're addressing the inside. Maybe it's that root of bitterness that, that, that they just can't, they can't get over that situation and, and there's some forgiveness that needs to happen. God, maybe it's a, a habit or maybe it's none of that. But God, I know you see every situation. And like you said in the Lord's Prayer, you said, give us this day our daily bread, and may we never miss a meal. And God, when we feel that hunger and that appetite, may we run to you because you are waiting with open arms. We love you, Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. Hey, can we welcome Kirsten Boone up to the stage? morning celebration church it is so good to see your faces up here most of them like Clark said it's kind of like silhouettes but most of the time when I'm worshiping my eyes are closed anyway so here we are <laughs> eyes opened <laughs> I am so excited and truly so honored to be speaking here today um, today I want to be I want to share what God has been speaking to me for quite some time now and today we're going to be talking about obedience in the face of fear. All right. Okay. Obedience to the Lord is, obedience to the Lord always leads to life, even in the face of our fears. I believe that today God wants to pull some fear off of someone and God wants to do something new in somebody's heart. I believe that today that there's somebody who's going to come to a new place of surrender with the Lord. All right, let's get into it. Start the south of the story. Has, ever, has anybody ever been to Florida? Raise your hand. Yes, it's beautiful. It is cheaper than Hawaii as well, so I recommend that. <laughs> um, two years ago, Jordan and I actually got to go to Florida with, we went, to, we went and visited his brother Jacob and when we were there, I'm not the best at planning trips. I usually just go by what's like cheapest, honestly. <laughs> um, so for the low, low price of $25 each, I signed us up for a kayaking tour at night in a protected lagoon in the middle of nowhere. And if any of you have ever been to Florida or just maybe are smarter than I am, you know that this is just a huge recipe for alligators. Um, yes, which, by the way, I happen to have a gigantic fear of those. So 
Um, on the way there, I'm like coming to the realization that, oh my gosh, we're going to be like alligator bait. We're going to be, I'm going to be an alligator snack right now for $25. <laughs> I'm putting my life in danger. So we're, we're on the way there, right? And I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. I'm trying to like get that fear off of me instantly because we're already doing it. We're already almost there. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I bet you, I bet that the tour guide is going to be somebody like Steve Irwin or he's going to be somebody like The Rock or if, if there's an alligator who wants to scrap with us, like they're not going to be able to because we have St Steve Irwin as our tour guide. Well, we get there and um, who we got as our tour guide was somebody who looked more like Spider-Man before he got bit. So... He's this scrawny little 15-year-old is who he looks like. And all of my safety net right there just went right out the window. And I'm like, well, we're here, so here we go. And um, this 15-year-old, he, he tells us, he hands us flashlights and says, okay, this is one per kayak. And this is to watch out for those beady, glowing orange eyes. <laughs> So that was, that was comforting in a sense, right? At least I have this flashlight so we, we're, I can at least see the danger in front of me. Well, we get in our kayaks. I go, I have my light right around my neck. I'm holding onto that thing for dear life. And I go to click it on and it flashes for about two seconds and then completely dies. So there's that. <laughs> well, something that was supposed to be so fun and just so fun in general ended up being something where I was just filled with fear, right? And I think in our lives, we all have moments like this, moments where maybe for you, um, God is calling you to step into an opportunity, but fear has held you back in that new career or starting a business. Maybe for you, fear has stopped you um, from following through with God on things that he's asking you to lay down. Maybe for you, fear has stopped you from going all in with the Lord. There's somebody in the Bible named King Saul. He was Israel's first king. Um, his, when I read his story, I saw so much correlation with this. Um, like I said, he was Israel's first king. He is somebody who in battle, God asked him to do something very specific. And what did he do instead? He did the exact opposite, as we do, right? Um, so he does, some, he does the exact opposite, and the prophet Samuel actually confronts him and says, like, he confronts him about it. And this is what um, King, King Saul says. He says, then, oh, then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Saul had the call of the Lord on his life. He was a man who God used in mighty ways to rescue his people from the Philistines. He raised him up, but he still chose to do things his own way. He was chosen and called by God to reign over his beloved Israel, but it was fear that held him back from obeying, from hearing and doing what the Lord had asked. You see, Saul mistook 
approval as his firm foundation and security instead of what God had asked. Instead of listening to God's voice, the very voice that crowned him, he listened to people out of fear. What he didn't understand in his heart was that God's words were the only firm foundation that he could stand on. And I think that fear is a common tool that the enemy uses in an attempt to rob you of what's on the other side of your obedience. Relationship, well, my relationship with the word obedience has honestly been a little complex. It had a rough start there. Um, I viewed it as more in the context of slave and master relationship. Um, so obedience to me used to look, I used to think it was something where it was forced, which is not true, by the way, if you think that too. Spoiler alert, it's not right. Um, so let's get into what, what the word actually means. Everybody say Shema. Shema. Thank you. That is the Hebrew word for obedience. And we're going to talk about that in just a second, uh, what it means. But I just want to throw out a disclaimer that the reason why we actually, um, why we talk about Hebrew and Greek, why we translate words is because the Bible was primarily written in those languages. So when we trans, when we go back to their translation, we're getting a fuller picture of what the writing is actually trying to convey to us. All right. So everybody say Shema again. Shema. Thank you. Shema means, um, to hear. Shema is to hear. And this is so interesting to me because in our Western culture, when we think of hearing, we think of it as more of a mental activity. But in this translation, we actually see that it's, it's being described as more of a physical activity than a mental one. This is the same kind of hearing, teenagers, by the way, that your parents would love from you when they ask you to clean your room, do the dishes. This is the kind of hearing that they're talking about. <laughs> All right. So Jesus actually speaks on this same kind of hearing um, in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. There's another spot in James that says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. These scriptures so clearly reveal that we are not just supposed to hear the word of God, but also do the word of God. The one who obeyed in the parable and, and did the word of the Lord was the one who was standing on firm foundation and was safe from the storm. When we obey God's words, the wind and the rain can come. We can, have, we can be in the middle of the nastiest storm, but our foundation can't be shaken. So what house will you be? Which foundation will you have? If you're honest, maybe you're like Saul 
and the fear of other people's opinions has weighed in more on your heart than what God has said to you. If you're honest, maybe the fear of people has stopped you from trying to be a part of a healthy community. Maybe for you, fear of failure has stopped you from obeying the Lord. Maybe for you, you have an irrational fear of alligators and it stopped you from night kayaking. Maybe fear of losing control has stopped you from fully surrendering to the Lord. When I was night kayaking in Florida and I realized that my flashlight, my last little piece of what I thought was security, fell through for me, I remember coming to the Lord in just honest fear and just, I was, I was crying out to him, guys, on this, on this kayak. And that with 10 other people, I was just having a moment, me and Jesus. And I remember praying and I remember hearing God tell me, Kirsten, you do not need this light. I will be your light. I will be your light. And I held on to that word. I tell you what, oh, 28 miles of this kayaking tour, so long. And guess what I didn't see that night? I didn't see an alligator. I'm pretty sure that the Lord just hid them all for me. That's probably what happened. <laughs> yes. But you know what I did see? I saw bioluminescent waters, which is a big word, but it looks like avatar to sum it up. And I, I got to see jellyfish. I got to see a crane. I got to see jumping fish. I got to see the most beautiful stars I've ever seen because we were out in the middle of nowhere, right? And the most beautiful moon. But here's the thing. I would have missed all of those things. I would have missed beholding the beauty that my God had created for me. If I had listened to my fear, if I had obeyed to fear instead of beholding the beauty that my God had for me. In this parable, both people were hit by the storm. And this is because Jesus doesn't promise us as believers an easy life. He doesn't promise us that. He actually promises us that we will have trouble. There are going to be times where we have to choose if we are going to follow our own ways, our own comforts, our false securities, or if we are going to obey. Obey and, and fully trust that the Lord is our firm foundation. Regardless of our troubles and comforts, we have to choose between obeying him or obeying fear. Fear will try and keep you from, from obeying God. We know that. But obeying God is the best place to be. Saying yes to the Lord will take you to places that you could have never gotten on your own. So yes, fear is a tool, but hearing and doing the Lord is what will always lead to life and give you that firm foundation. An obedient heart is truly a surrendered heart to the Lord. One that says, one that says, even in the raging storm, God, I put my trust in you, not in false security, not in a flashlight, not in Steve Irwin, but in, <laughs> but in you alone, God. Jesus says in 1 John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, 
He will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. I love this. I love this because it shows that an obedient heart is truly one that is established on love for the Lord. I used to think that obedience was out of force, remember? It was out of force in in a slave and master relationship, which I had such wrong thinking of, primarily because I had wrong thinking of who the Father was and his love for me. I I did not understand his love for me. The more that I know him, the more that I love him. And the more that I love him, the more that I desire to obey him. And as we wrap things up, if the band could, could come up with me, if you could all stand as well with me, I just want to give you a chance to respond. There are two groups of people today that I would like to pray over as we close things up. This first group of people that I want to pray over are those of you who um, maybe you've been living for God for a while or even your entire life, but you're realizing today that there's some pieces that you haven't fully surrendered to him in. You haven't fully trusted him in. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hands and surrender with me and pray something like this. Lord, I acknowledge that I have put my trust in things other than you. I acknowledge that I have not always heard and done your word, but I turn from my ways, from my own ways and own agendas, and I put my hope back in you and your word alone. I surrender each part of my life to you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. This next group of people that I want to pray over are for those who maybe have never surrendered their lives to God. And I know that this moment can feel scary because I remember being in this moment years ago in this church but I remember God tugging on my heart, knowing that there's more to life than what the world offers. Knowing that there's more to life than just following my own ways, realizing for the first time that there's more. So if that's you with both hands, I just want you to lift them up and we're gonna have a time of repenting and believing. And that sounds weird, but all it is is going from doing things your own way, acknowledging the things that um, you do that don't please the Lord and turning from them and believing in God who died on the cross for you, for you and our sins, believing in him. So let's do that. If you'd pray, pray with me. Lord, I turn away from the things that don't please you. I turn from the things that don't lead me to life. I am putting my faith in Jesus, who died on a cross for me in my sins. I surrender my whole life to you, Lord. Say this with me, church. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I will follow you every day that I live.
give a hand to those who just made that commitment. Beautiful. Let's respond in worship. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.